Hello, and welcome to The Shining Light, where we are shining the light of the gospel and speaking the truth in love, providing strength, and stirring the hearts of our listeners. We are so glad to have you joining us today as you listen to this message from Pastor Tim Cruz. Praise the Lord. I thought that would be a blessing to you, something that I viewed and and, uh, stirred my heart. And I thought, Lord, help me to be grateful and uh, help me to be excited that I'm living in the greatest country on the face of God's earth. And uh, you know what? That's something we ought to rejoice in and thank God for. And uh, the freedoms that we enjoy, we're not afraid today to worship openly. And uh, of all the different challenges we face, the foundational fundamentals of truth and liberty and justice for all, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that's the blessings that we've been given. And I thank God for it. I was reading where someone said, my kids wanted to know what it was like for me growing up. So I took their phones, shut off the internet, gave them a popsicle, and told them to go outside until the streetlights come on. And baby boomers and others said, amen. We remember those days of growing up, right? Uh, Baseball, hot dogs, and apple pie. I thought it was interesting. I read where apple pie is nostalgic for many Americans. It's a symbol of the good old days. And uh, the dessert that soldiers overseas told their families they missed the most. And the taste of Thanksgiving along with the fall of Pennsylvania. Amazing, isn't it? So many heritages, so many blessings that we enjoy. But God has blessed America. I wonder, will America bless God again? Will we honor Him? The question was asked, has God given up on America? To which one replied, the better question is, has America given up on God? I've not given up on the Lord. I still believe God is on His throne. Do you believe that? I still believe that He's all-powerful, all-merciful, all-gracious, and able to save, able to forgive, able to revive, able to restore. President Ronald Reagan declared, we must remain one nation under God or we'll become one nation gone under. John Adams observed, our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Thomas Jefferson wrote, the First Amendment has erected a wall of separation between church and state, but that wall is is a one-directional wall. It keeps the government from running the church, but it makes sure that Christian principles will always stay in government. He also wrote these words, I prefer the tumult of liberty to the quiet of servitude. There is a price to pay for freedom, and I thank God for those who have paid that price. In our generation, think of what victories were won for life and liberty in just the last week or so. The overturn of Roe versus Wade, life In Maine, now parents and children can choose the school that they believe will best serve them or prepare them for their future. In Washington State, a football coach won a religious liberty 
case, the right to pray openly on public property. That's just in the last week or so in our nation. Don't you thank God for those victories? And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We are a blessed people. We should never look beyond these things and think, oh well, that's how we lose these freedoms when we take them for granted and we don't use them as we should. There are people that would love to attend church, but they can't do it freely or openly. And yet we can, but oftentimes we struggle. We have a generation to where the professed even acknowledgement or belief in God is at an all-time low in our nation. But I want to tell you, God is still where He's always been, on His throne, in control, waiting for us, even welcoming us, inviting us to come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. We need the Lord in this hour. I want you to turn with me back in your Bibles to the book of Nehemiah. We've been here the last few services and God has directed about this matter of taking a stand for Him and what that means to be involved, to engage in the Lord's work anew. The book of Ezra and the book of Nehemiah, they're books of hope, of fresh starts, new beginnings. The name Nehemiah means the Lord comforts. God comforts and comes alongside of and reassures us as His people today that I am with you no matter how long the years have been. No matter what you faced in your past, even your sin, and the fact that it had to be dealt with, once it's dealt with, it's time to embrace God's promise of a new beginning in your life. Ezra did that in the rebuilding of the temple and some 14 years later, Nehemiah is sent by God to lead the people to rebuild the walls and reestablish the gates thereof. They got to work and uh, they did what God had put in their hearts to do. And uh, he took his stand, and I think about this as we remember this, uh, by seeing the need that was before them and by then taking action and realizing that even in the face of opposition, as long as God was with them, God would prevail on their behalf and God would prosper them. That's what we need to be reminded of here in this hour. God wants us to stand fast by seeing the need, by taking action, and being faithful and confident in the face of opposition. I preached Wednesday night a message entitled, What Will You Be Known For? There were those who encouraged their fellow man in this great work that God had given and those who discouraged them. Will you be an encourager or a discourager? A builder or one who tears down? Will you be a giver or a taker? We're all going to be known for something. We're all going to leave some kind of heritage or legacy behind. What legacy will you leave behind? As we think about 
being in the midst of this wall being rebuilt and the ridicule, the mocking of the Jews in Nehemiah chapter 4, we find that the people of God had grown weary. The task was far greater than they were sufficient for. And so they had the adversaries from without, the Jews who had settled round about the area there. They were discouraging them, encouraging them to go back to where they came from. And, and then they had threats without and within. And from every angle it seemed that they were facing opposition and discouragement and they tried every way, the enemies of the Lord, to hinder the work in verse 8. And the Bible says in verse 10, the strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed, and there is much rubbish, so that we are not able to build the wall. I want you to underline that. We are not able. This is a task too great for us. We can't do this. We need God's help. Wise is the man, the woman, the family, the church, the community, the city, the state, the nation that comes to a point that says, we need God. And the way we get God's help is by seeking God in prayer. You see Nehemiah again and again seeking God in prayer. That was his resource. That is where he turned to every time. He said, let's pray, let's seek God like we're going to tonight, a special prayer meeting for our city, for our nation. As we think about this resource of prayer, Nehemiah was driven to prayer some eight times during these events here in the rebuilding of the wall. President Abraham Lincoln said, I've been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of all about me seemed insufficient for that day. I needed God. They said in verse 10, we are not able to build the wall. Underline that. Number one this morning. There are tasks that God has given, write this down if you will, we are not sufficient for, we're not able to accomplish on our own, in and of ourselves, with our wisdom, with our strength, with our wherewithal, our background, our education, our connections, all of those things would but fail us and come up short. There are some things we're not sufficient for, and I believe just by experience, I know in my own life, as well as working with people as a pastor these years, there are those among us today who are facing some challenge, some difficulty that you realize fully you're not sufficient to deal with alone. You need help. You need wisdom. You need strength. You need courage. Where does that come from? It comes from God through prayer. See, they got to the point to where they worked. They were initially excited about it. They got the materials ready and, and they said, we're going to commit to this. We're not going to quit. We're going to get it done. But in the midst, 
with the discouragement, the task being so great. He says here, there's much rubbish. We've been there and seen the walls of Jerusalem, Rebecca and I, and even the wall on the backside, the Wailing Wall as it's known today. We've been there. I've stood there and prayed. And, and uh, I think about these stones. You can still see these stones that were cast off down there on the side of that temple area. I think about the history. I think about the rubbish. I think about that which was so great a task. Well, we, we were zealous. Have you ever been excited about getting something done and then about the time you got in the middle of it? He's like, wow, <laughs> I don't know about this. You ever been there? I remember when I was trying to finish my master's degree online. Boy, I was zealous about getting it done. I got this class done, that class done, and the other class done. And then I got this class, Research and Education. Research. I'm like, you got to research, right? And you got to find out all the different ways you can research and find things and peer-reviewed articles and all these type things. And it was so much work. The workload was so heavy. The reading, the research, the writing. I remember in the middle of that class just thinking one day, wow, I just don't know. I'm going to make it through this class. Is so much a mountain of work. And then I prayed, Lord, you're going to have to help me. Give me strength and quicken my heart and remind me that I didn't come this far to come this far. This is not where I stop. I have to get this done. God, help me. And you know what? He did. Someone has said character is the commitment you have to a task to complete it once the emotion and the excitement of beginning it wears off. Just bear up under. Seek the Lord and say, God, help me. I can't turn back. I'm committed to do what you've given me to do. And God wants us to have that kind of heart, but that kind of understanding, because sometimes as they faced it here, they were catching it from every side, and they were not sufficient for that task, as we're not along life's way. And perhaps you're not today in some specific area of your life. I'm glad the story doesn't stop there, aren't you? I'm glad we don't have to say, well, there's just some things we can't do. Well, yeah, there are some things we can't do, but there's nothing our God cannot do. The Bible says all things are possible with Him. There's nothing too hard for our God. Our God is able. And the way we tap into His power and His wisdom and His strength is through prayer. They sought the Lord again and again. He says in verse 4, just a reminder, Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Lord, he cried out to God in the midst of the contempt and the opposition they faced. And then when they got weary and tired, oh, they cried out to God again. As he said to the leaders and the rest of the people in verse 14, Be not ye afraid of them. 
Remember the Lord. Underline that. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible. That means He's awesome in power. It's beyond description. And fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. I'll tell you, he said, remember the Lord. Number one, we are not sufficient for some things in life. Number two, our God is always sufficient if we'll just remember him. Remember the Lord. You know what he said in Deuteronomy chapter 8? When you get into the land, I want you to remember the Lord. Remember me and how I helped you get there through many dangers, toils, and snares. Wherever you are today, just pause and thank God for how He's preserved you and directed your steps. The songwriter said, All the way my Savior leads me. So many of us, in hindsight, can agree with those words. Can we not? God has been with me every step of the way. He said, when you get there and you get settled and you start being productive and and, uh, you realize my blessings upon you, remember that I'm the one who gave you life and gave you ability and gave you opportunity. I gave you the capacity to do what you're doing. Remember me. It all comes from my hand. Everything that we have, who we are today comes from the good hand of God. Remember that Nehemiah said, as he told the people when he went there to survey the walls and and all the great need to rebuild them, he said, I told them of the good hand of my God that was upon me. It's wonderful to see the hand of God upon someone's life, isn't it? I'll tell you, it's more wonderful when you can sense the hand of God upon your own life. Upon an imperfect, insufficient servant. What makes the difference? The hand of God. His hand can do what our hands cannot. We must believe that. This is a day to where many Christians are in retreat. Pastors even, churches. Let's back up a little bit. Let's just kind of settle in and hope to hold out until Jesus comes. That's not what the Lord said. He said, occupy till I come. Be busy about the Father's business till I come. You don't know the day or the hour. Serve your own generation by the will of God. Do your part in your day, in your hour to stand fast, to be sought in light, to depend upon your God, to realize your own limitations, but then by faith tap into His limitless ability and power and strength. That's who our God is. Number one, we are not sufficient. Number two, our God is sufficient. Number three, we must do what we can. Now God will do what we cannot. I'm grateful for that, aren't you? I've learned that. We are laborers together with God. There are those, when I was a younger pastor, their sentiment was, well, if God wants it done, preacher, He'll make it happen. That sounds good, but that's not biblical. God says we are laborers together with God. God's given us certain things to do. We must do what we can 
and trust him to do what we can't. And the good news is he will do what we can't do. He will do his part. The question is, will we do our part? Will we cry out to God? Will we strengthen our hands for this great work? In verse 19, he says, The work is great and large. But in verse 20, Our God is greater. Our God shall fight for us. So we labored in the work. You know, someone could say, Well, if God wants this wall built, He'll get it built. Well, how's He going to get it built? Through His servants. We are His hands. We are the way God accomplish, accomplishes His task, His work in this world. We are His vessels. So we labored in the work. It's amazing how many times the phrase everyone is found in verse 15, 17, 18. We find it again in verse number 22 and then verse 23. Everyone, all of us, we committed to God and to each other to enter into this thing, to stay committed no matter how hard it got. When we were coming up short, we'd stop and pray and cry out to God. We're willing to pay the price. They labored day and night. They didn't even change their clothes for time. They also had to learn to have a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other, building and battling for God at the same time. God gave them favor. And the walls were built in 52 days. That's amazing. According to chapter 6 and verse 15, so the wall was finished. They got done the job had given them to do. One writer said the Jews did three things. They prayed, they worked, they set guards in order to be ready for the battle. Praying, working, and readiness are the three requirements for serving God. Are we going to pray so God will do His part? We work in doing our part. Are we ready to do what God has given us to do? There must be a willingness and then a readiness, the Bible says, to do His will. Are we ready to do God's will? I think of our theme a couple of years ago was we love our city. How can we tangibly show the love of God to Monroe, North Carolina? The Lord led and we were able to have someone represent us as a church family and our citizens before the Union County Board of Commissioners and ask if we as a local church paid for the letters, we could have our nation's motto, In God We Trust, placed on the courthouse here in town. And they voted to do so. And you can see those letters there, especially when you come down Main Street and you're a little bit in the distance, it's level. Just straight ahead, you see it. In God we trust. You get a little closer. Of course, the elevation changes. Right behind the flags. Aren't you thankful? Make a positive impact in this, opportunity. in this world of being involved even in this city with our homeless shelter as we've had chapels and ministries there and served meals, crisis pregnancy center, turning point, the women's shelter. Oh, how many times.
times we've been able to be there with Bible studies, Christmas gatherings. The Elliots would always help with that every year. Fresh Start, helping single mothers with children. And we're helping one this very day. Public school and Winget University Bible study groups. There's a young man pastoring up in Mount Airy who him and his wife, God dealt with them in a Bible study at Winget University to serve him with their lives. They surrendered to the Lord, and now God's using them. They just celebrated an anniversary and their precious children. I want to tell you, God has given us opportunity, and I want to thank many of you who've prayed. The days of caring, we need to do more of them, right? Giving groceries to those in need, letting those come. be a great thing to do here right before school starts for some school clothes because all the donations we take our ladies work so diligently to go through and make sure that everything that we keep is in good order and very nicely uh, preserved and taken care of. I'm so thankful for that. I think about other things that God has put in our hearts to do. I saw where they're getting ready to do some work up here at the lake. Lake Minnehaha. Lake of many laughs. If you look on your Google map, it'll come up under that name. God entrusted it to us. We thought we'd use it in a certain way. But then God opened up this other property. And through prayer, God put it in our hearts. We've had people offer us to buy it cash in hand. We've had developers talk to us about it. We've had a lot of people who wanted it. But through prayer, God put it in our hearts. And we all voted and agreed together to make it as a donation to our city. Because they're going to use it for the inner city youth to teach them how to fish. They're going to put a ropes course there. And they're going to do other things. It's like a program facility, they call it. And I thought, isn't that amazing? The very children we're ministering to through our bus ministry are going to be able to minister to through this gift as well as others in our city. Aren't you thankful for that? See, we have to do our part. We have to step up. It's easy to talk about our city needs this. Why don't we do something about it, right? Be men and women of action. People who engage and do our part. I think about Julie running for office. And we need to pray for her and our council and our mayor and how much I appreciate them. To be a voice, to be involved, to be salt and light. Others need to pray about that. I believe we need to engage our city for the glory of God and the good of the whole. Do you believe that? Back when the pandemic set in, we were asked if we would not meet for a couple weeks. And in good faith, like churches across the country, we said, okay, we don't really know what we're facing. So we took that step. Just beyond that, a week or so, we were talking among ourselves, me and some men, and I said, you know, we're doing this in good faith for right now. I said, but if it comes a point where there are those who try to take advantage of that, we still have the freedom of worship in our country. I said, we will stand up. And we did. I traveled to Greensboro, met with a pastor, and talked to him. I said, we've got to do something. I was on a conference call the following week, and I can't explain it to this day. We're supposed to be talking with a group 
of pastors, but it ended up to where there were only two other men on the call. One was Ron Beatty, and the other was uh, Kevin Broyhill. And I said, I recognized their voices. I said, men, what are you doing on this call? They said, I don't know. He's supposed to call in this number to pray with some preachers. And I said, well, while we're talking, let's talk about a conversation I had with another pastor on Saturday. I said, we're going to have to take a stand. I believe at this juncture we want to do it with prudence. We want to be wise. We know this is a legitimate concern. We have to navigate it wisely. But for those who feel comfortable and feel like this should be afforded to them to gather, we need to engage. One man, Brother Beatty, he's a pastor in Winston-Salem. He's an elder statesman. He's over Return America, which is an organization started by the North Carolina Christian Association School Board, of which I'm a member. I said, Brother Beatty, here's what we need to do. And I said, we're praying about doing this through Awake America, North Carolina. I said, but with you being the senior statesman here, if you believe Return America should lead the way in this, I'll defer to you. He said, let me pray about it and talk to the board. He met with the board and he told me, he said, we're going to take this up. We've been in touch with the Christian Law Association and we'll pursue this. We all banded together and prayed. And you know what? It went to court and a judge said, there is no exception in the First Amendment that grants the government any legal standing or authority to keep people of faith from gathering together. Amen? Aren't you thankful for the opportunities God has given us? And I rehearse those just to remind us today. We can be used of God to make a difference. But it's not just us. And it's not just the Lord, as it were. It's us with God. Laborers together with God. There are things we can't do. But with God, there's nothing that is in His will and for His glory and the good of others that cannot be done. I want to see that yet in my day. Don't you? I've got children. I've got grandchildren who are going to grow up in this country. Oh, I'd love for them to live with the freedoms that I've lived with all these years. And let's not get turned aside. There are many trying to indict our country on every hand. You've got to understand the end game is to so discredit it that the time comes when they can legitimately in their minds as well as others burn this country to the ground in the name of starting it all over again. And don't think that's not the end game. I said that years ago. Years ago. And that is the end game. The fascism, the communism, the socialism that's entering in under the guise of legitimate causes, we have to be discerning, dear people. Let's not be naive. Let's not be gullible. Let's be wide awake. Let's be ready. There's a real adversary. There are those who would think nothing of taking our freedoms overnight if they could. But there's something that stands in their way. And as a nation of law and order, it's our Constitution. 
May God in heaven have mercy upon us. And may we pray for those in authority that they would know the Lord and they would judge righteous judgment. Thank you for listening to The Shining Light. We pray that this time has been a time of encouragement and blessing to you. The Shining Light is a production of Shining Light Baptist Church located at 2541 Old Charlotte Highway in Monroe, North Carolina. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to join us. Service times and more information can be found at our website, www.shininglightmonroe.com. You can also watch our services on Facebook and YouTube and connect with us on social media. Thank you for joining us, and God bless.